Time now to talk the NBA Finals as the Cardiff team are right alongside us, ready for this uh, reserve-grade clash. NBA Finals, Celtics get the job done. They're Moose Rebilliard's team. Good morning, mate, and what an unbelievable game, particularly the last quarter, 40-16, to 16, Celtics win game one. Yeah, g'day, Steve, and hi, Gary. Yeah, quite. I don't think anyone would have picked the Celtics actually doing that at, in San Francisco. So, you know, obviously a great win uh, in, on game one for the, uh, for the Celtics. Yeah, g'day, Ian. Um, yeah, look, it was an interesting game. I actually sat through and watched the game, and the Celtics has to, had to withstand a Steph Curry masterclass in the, in the, the first quarter. I think he, he sunk six three-pointers, and, and then they were able to hold him scoreless. But that last quarter, 40-16, to 16, and Celtics just seemed to be bombing three-pointers from everywhere. And Al Horford had six three-pointers. <laughs> I don't think he's sunk six three-pointers in his career, let alone, uh, let alone in one quarter. But, uh, look, they were very good, good Celtics. And, and um, to win without Jason Tatum having a big influence certainly, uh, certainly gives them plenty of confidence as they move forward. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, if you watch that last quarter, I, I think the focus from the Celtics moved to the defensive end, and, and that often triggers, you know, how a team uh, can flow offensively. But, you know, Jalen Brown, smart. I, I really loved Al, Al Horford's game. It's his first ever finals, you know, having been a bit of a journeyman and found himself back at the Celtics. He's been there before. I thought he probably was a difference, truth be known, and, and Jalen Brown kept him in touch, and then Horford just had an outstanding game, and uh, you have a soft spot for him because, you know, he might not get there again. So uh, you're right. And, and they head back there on, I think it's Monday, so Tuesday out time for game two. And I don't know how Steve Kerr will make some adjustments to try and close down the number of scoring threats that the Celtics showed on game one. Uh, Ian, do you think that um, the, the break that that the Warriors had between because they won in, in straight sets their, their playoff game that actually that had an impact on them as they come against a Celtic side who come off a, a seven game series whether they were more in sync because you know, I know I've read about in basketball that an extended break doesn't actually do you a lot of favours at this level that's, that's a great question because I think it's the first postseason loss for Golden State is that right Moose? Yeah it is and, it, and you're right Gary I mean I Having played, I would have been liking to have been in the Warriors' camp because, you know, those niggling injuries, a bit of tiredness. You've got a few more games while Boston and the Heat were battling it out into Game 7. And even for for Boston to get over Miami in Miami in Game 7, I mean, that's quite remarkable. Um, And so, you know, they're they're coming in with a whole lot of self-belief. And I think probably in Game 1, that was the difference. I mean... Steph Curry in that first quarter was just unbelievable, uh, and you'd be sitting there thinking, "Crikey, how do you how do you stop the Warriors?" But they're very um, three-point focused. But having said that, so, so too were the Celtics. I think in this game, that the most three scored in any NBA final. So it's just a remarkable, a remarkable stat line that you probably didn't see coming. Hey, Moose, uh, Gary's got another question, and he asked me this off the air, and I'm really looking forward to your answer. So it's, it's around Steph Curry and his impact on basketball. Yeah, you're, you're a basketball purist, Moose. There's no doubt about that. You've been around the game for a long time, and there's been plenty of discussion, I suppose, 
not only recent times, but but over over the past few years about when Seth Curry Seth Curry finishes his career, how he will be defined in the game because people are saying now he. he it's as good as he's actually ruined the game of basketball because it's just become a, a three-point-a-thon. And you mentioned about the, the most number of three-points taken uh, scored in a final, but there were actually 86 three-point shots taken in, in, in game one. So where do you stand on on the changing of the game? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's one at the defensive end, and that's that was demonstrated in the fourth quarter. Um, Steph Curry... I think his impact on the game, I mean, I don't think there's been a better pure shooter than him. If there is, it's probably his co-partner in Clay Thompson. <laughs> he yeah. can bomb from anywhere. Um, but I think if you can put pressure on the rim, uh, you put teams under what often you term, def- you know, rotational defensive uh, adjustments. And that's where Boston, I thought, were outstanding. The ball moved like it used to with the Spurs. Um and I thought, I thought the Warriors struggled to actually uh, defend that inside-outside game. And that's why Boston were able to get game one. Steve Kerr, he's a great coach. And I'm sure he'll make some adjustments to take that away, keep players in front. Um, but I think to go back to Gary's question, Steve Kerr hasn't ruined the game. He's just shown what you can do from range as a three-point threat. He, he is unmatched. Who, who was it that came up with the block for the Celtics, then went coast-to-coast coast with a monster dunk? Yeah, that, well, that was Jalen Brown. And he's, you know, he's a, a wing player, like he's a three-man, two-three. But he just plays, you know, both ends of the floor. That's what they're renowned for. And, and again, I'll say it, you know, when he, when he blocked that shot, and I'm not sure who, who he blocked, it was on a breakaway fast break, and then uh, Boston threw it down the line, and he came down the middle to receive that pass and throw it down. You go, that's, that's pretty outstanding at this level. And it kind of epitomised, if, if you were to pick one play in that, that game, that probably epitomises what the Celtics are all about. It's play hard at both ends, and, and uh, you know, they've got a lot of self-belief and coming into game two. If they snatch game two in, in, uh, in San Francisco, they head to, to the TD Gardens with two games under their belt. Look out, anything could yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right there, Moose. And, and, look, it's going to be a good coaching effort from Steve Kerr because when you look at the personnel that the Warriors have, it, it is a very shooter orientated roster whilst you look at the Celtics they look more rounded and, and can play in and out as, as you mentioned earlier so Steve Kerr is certainly going to have his work cut out to, to come up with a plan and obviously if, if they can if they can have a good night shooting again which is going to what they're going to need to have obviously they can blow anyone off the park but gee I'm lo- really looking forward to game two yeah and one of the things that stood out for me uh, you know and it's how do you stop how do you stop uh, Steph Curry on these on balls and, and they made some adjustments and Horford did it beautifully well. Uh, at the start, the, the person setting the screen for Curry to come off was simply too deep and Curry just came off the screen and, and fired the three ball. But then as the game went on, that person guarding the screener was a lot closer to the screening line action so that as Curry came off, he's, he's facing you know six eight six nine defenders um, and he's got to kick the ball on, and that was very noticeable. So the adjustments that the Celtics made on Curry after the first quarter 
Very, very good coaching. Got a couple of minutes in this segment for an update on the Crusaders. Gary, you said they're playing the uh, the team from Wollongong. Yeah, I think they've got uh, Illawarra today. Is that right, uh, Ian? Yeah, we have. So we've got uh, four teams down in the gong today with Youth League women, Youth League men, then now NBL1 women and NBL1 men. Uh, some big news, though, with the men's side, obviously, Steve, I'm still helping in, in the uh, coaching ranks there when I'm available. And we uh, unveiled today Jalen Grant. So this is Horace Grant's nephew. Uh, he, gets to start, he gets to start today, his first game for the Crusaders in the champ men's side. And I was fortunate to coach his brother, uh, Jeray Grant, when I was at the Kings. So some, uh, some very, very good pedigree uh, in yeah. the Grant family. And uh, he suits up for us tonight. Yeah, yeah, I need to know. I mean, how in the world does Moose pull this off and squeeze him into the salary cap? So we've got an absolute <laughs> superstar uh, from one of the most famous basketball families in the world, Guru. Yeah, look, that's, that's fantastic news, Moose. I tell you what, mate, you, you move in the right circles, don't you? <laughs> I'd like to say it was all me, but it wasn't. Uh, a lot of that work was uh, Tim Hudson, uh, who was my assistant back in the day and uh, had, had stayed in touch with the Grant family. So Jeray's a young man, like he's 25. Uh, he's actually a chef by trade, actually, and he's working when he's not playing at uh, the Terrigal Ile de France, the French restaurant <laughs> at Terrigal. So he's, uh, he's working there as a sous chef. Um, but when he's not working, he's, uh, he's working out with the Crusaders. So it's a pretty good story all around. Yeah, what type of a player is he? What can you tell us? Yeah, he's, look, he's a 4-5, uh, which is what we need because we're a bit undersized when time again uh, went down with that Achilles injury. Uh, got a lot of length. He's, he's probably 6-7, um, but he's long. Um, and he's a young man looking to, you know, gain a, a foothold for his, you know, career in basketball. So this is a very semi-professional league, as you know, but there's a lot of imports now coming into the league. We play one tonight in Kiwi Gardener. Um, one Oliver Rebellia that'll have his work cut out trying to stop this bloke tonight. <laughs> but it, it's, it's good for the league. It's good for our club. And um, it's, it's nice to see that we're able to bring imports into this league. Yeah, and Musa, just before we go, uh, thank you again for the broadcast we did from Mingara, the Regional Academies of Sport Coaching Conference. It's without doubt the best coaches conference I've ever been to and credit to yourself and Brett O'Farrell for pulling that off. Uh, actually, this week I'll talk to Kerry Podhast on my podcast. She was a special guest that morning along with Brad McGee, the Olympic gold medalist from Athens. And congratulations to everyone involved at the Regional Academies of Sport, Sport News. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're still getting a lot of people sending us notes of just appreciation saying how valuable it was. But some other good news, Steve, we, we being the Central Coast, have secured that event for another two years. So uh, we, we look to build on a very, very high platform that we set up in year one. All credit, and you know this, to Emily Burgess-Moore, who did an outstanding job. And, uh, yeah, we, we'll look to build on that in the current, uh, the coming two years. Our extension program, which will be a Zoom program, has some of the best coaches in the world already scheduled to come on uh, for that event. So we're putting a lot of focus in coaching, which you guys know, and you, you've obviously been around this, Gary, for years at the very oval you're sitting at today, how critical it is to have good coaches in the development ages for, uh, for growth of your sport.